Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast as we uh, preview the final regular season game, uh, Purdue and Indiana, which is tradition, customary, whatever. And uh, Purdue, I think everybody knows what's at stake for Purdue, a share of the Big Ten West, maybe a spot in the conference championship game, depending what happens Friday with Iowa uh, and Nebraska. Indiana, this is it for them. Um they can't go bowling. Maybe not. Oh, now, it's now. Something like, it's something like 15 <laughs> things have to happen in a certain order, and they can make a bowl at 5 and 7. Okay. That voice you heard was the esteemed gentleman from the Indianapolis Star, Zach Osterman, who covers everything there is to know about Indiana athletics. So he just popped onto the scene without being properly introduced, um, and there's there will be punishment involved for that. Uh, you have to, you, you, no, you have to eat, uh, like store bought turkey now instead of smoked turkey. Nah, never. That's my punishment never. for you. Never. I already offended you once earlier this week when I asked if you deep fried the turkey. My granddad used <laughs> deep fried the turkey, but no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smoker. I'm a smoker as things go. All right. Well, Zach, kind enough to join us today on a busy day for, for him and everybody, uh, as we preview this game. All right. So. What's your what's your nut graph about IU football this season? Yeah, obviously it changed um, last weekend, and, and you know fairly dramatically, as dramatically as it can for a team that's still just four and seven. Um, you know, so much of this season has kind of been framed against last season, which was enormously disappointing for Indiana, um, not just because they went two and ten, but because you know, as I said to somebody at the beginning of the season. Um, Indiana fans are, are are familiar with disappointment when it comes to football, but not that kind of disappointment of being told, and I think justifiably so, like be excited for the season. Indiana can win eight or nine games and go to another big bowl. Maybe you know, maybe they claim it. Maybe they beat an Ohio State on a Saturday night in Bloomington, kind of thing. Um, and then you know, it's it's not even just like they go five and seven or six and six. Like the bottom just came completely out. So a lot of this year has been contextualizing it last year in terms of asking the question, basically, can Indiana get that competitiveness back that it lost? Um, that it had for, you know, I mean, from 2013 to 2020, Indiana won at least five games every season but one. From 2015 to 2020, they went to four bowls. And the other two years, they finished five and seven and were five and six going into the Purdue game. So there was kind of this, it felt like the floor had been raised and then the floor just kind of caved. Could Indiana kind of put it back together a little bit? And, you know, the seven-game losing streak after the 3-0 no start certainly felt like maybe the answer was no. But then going up to East Lansing and beating an admittedly flawed Michigan State team, but beating them the way that they did, you know, I, I think it, been, it would have been different if maybe Michigan State just played horrible and Indiana wrote a bunch of luck to a 24-13 win, a 28-13 win. To have to come back from 17 down twice in that game, um, to be at a, a, a substantial disadvantage in terms of yardage and still win, to, to have a field goal blocked in overtime and still win, I think was just very valuable for this team. To, if, nothing, if nothing else, look around and say, like, we're still here. We're still scrapping. And, and that, you know, that, that personality trait remains within this program, even if this season doesn't end where we hoped it would. And so I think, you know, listen, Indiana could win. 40 to nothing on Saturday, and there would still be some, some substantial questions that need answering about this program going forward. They could lose, you know, 41 to 20 on Saturday, and they should 
they should still be allowed to feel good about the the uh, uh, the win in East Lansing. But I think if nothing else, what last weekend proved maybe to them as much as anybody else is just that they've not lost that competitiveness. That that that, that it frankly did. You know, if you look back at last year, Indiana scored I think I think like thirty one points in its last four games. You know, and and none of them. Each of them was lost by at least three scores. Of course, the Purdue game was a blowout defeat. Right. Um, they've at least gotten that back, and I think that's meant something. No, that's a that's a positive sign because you go on the road in late November and you're down 17 twice and you find a way to win and you find a way to come back. A lot of teams in that position just would not do that. I mean, that's just that's just the bottom line. So does that does that tell you Tom Allen has a pretty good grip on what's going on with this program? I think it's it's certainly at least fair to say like you know he's not lost this team and that's that's always one of those things that's that's. You know, really easy to type on a message board and a lot harder to quantify in person. Right. Um, you know, I, I the most I will ever harken back to my brief and unillustrious high school career is that I played on two 0-10 football teams. And there can come a point in bad seasons where you feel like you're still working hard, but you're not, and and like you feel like you're still fighting and you still believe, but you you don't um, because you're human and you just disengage. For Tom Allen, as, as you said, it's again like it's it's not just the it's not just that they won; it's it's how they had to win to do it. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have given Indiana much of a chance to win that game going in. I would have given them virtually zero chance at twenty-four to seven at halftime or thirty-one fourteen in the third quarter. Um, you know, to 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 show the intangibles they did to win that game, I think is. Is very valuable moving forward, and I think it's probably very valuable this weekend. Frankly, I think I think Indiana has a renewed a renewed sort of sense of confidence, not of saying like, "Oh, we're destined to beat Purdue," you know, this won't even be a game, but more of sort of saying like, "Hey, we we remember who we were. We remember even if we're maybe not pound for pound as talented as we were in 2019 or 2020, we remember you know the the." the character and the toughness that, that got us some of those wins, and, and we remember kind of how to do that again. So what has held this team back? Now, we don't have all the day, all time in the world to discuss this, but I mean, in, in your mind, what are the two or three things that have held this team back, you know, after they got off to their 3-0 and start? Or were there issues that you saw in the 3-0 and start that just kind of ballooned against better competition? Well, they, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, even when they were three and zero, you know, they needed a, a sort of an end of game uh, drive. It was their only scoring drive of this, the entire second half to beat Illinois. They they were down ten nothing to Idaho at halftime in that game. The weather was kind of weird, but still, um, they were you know they needed a, a pretty remarkable series of circumstances: a, a, a missed field goal, a blocked field goal to beat Western Kentucky. Um, I think if, if we're talking statistically, I mean, Indiana has just not been anywhere near good enough offensively this season. You know, if, if you look at, I mean, from a, a total offense perspective, they're 12th in the conference. Uh, from a scoring offense perspective, they're 10th in the conference, and that's obviously driven up by what they did last weekend. They, they average a shade under 24 points per game. Um, you know, they brought in Walt Bell to kind of run this sort of zone zone run air raid scheme and they just did not block it at all uh, for, for too much of the season um, 
they fired their offensive line coach midseason, which yeah. is not something that tends to happen in programs like this. The pit position coaches get to dismissed for sort of, you know, essentially performance midseason. Um, but they're just, you know, it's, it's, they have struggled along the line of scrimmage, particularly on offense. And a lot of what, you know, turned things around for them against Michigan State, Michigan State had a huge yardage advantage. But Indiana was able to find something it could do and do well, which was run the football again with a lot of those sort of lateral zone schemes, using Dexter Williams' threat as a running as a running quarterback, as a dual threat quarterback. Um, they ran for I think 284 yards if you adjust for sacks, right. um, and four touchdowns on the ground, including a couple of explosives, a 34 yarder and a 79 yarder, and, and it was the first time in a while, especially because. Two of their best pass catchers have been hurt most of the year. Cam Camper is out with a torn ACL. DJ Matthews has been hampered all year. Um, you know, you, you've taken you know, some of the few weapons you had in that pass game out of the, the mix. Being able to run the ball was just kind of a game changer for them. And I think defensively, you know, that there are some some funky things like their secondary really probably should be better than it is. They have the worst pass on pass defense in the league. And I recognize that's not all down to secondary, but like in terms of maybe the biggest wins in the offseason of players who opted to take one more year. A lot of them were in the secondary. So they've got a very experienced secondary, and yet they get beat up a lot. And I think hand-in-hand with that is um, they were looking a lot like a Tom Allen defense in terms of sacks and turnovers early in the season. Um, You know, even when they were giving up yards, sometimes even when they were giving up points, they were still getting sacks, they were still getting pressure, they were still forcing turnovers. Both of those things have really dried up. Now, you know, when you play in your last six games, the Big Four and the Big Ten East, you know, that it, it, water will find its level a little bit. But, you know, Tom Allen builds defenses that are comfortable accommodating some yardage as long as they can make those big plays and they stop making those big plays. So, you know, a lot of those things can go hand-in-hand hand struggling along the line of scrimmage, can, you know, kill an offense, it can slow down a defensive, you know, it can slow down a pass rush, which suddenly leaves the secondary exposed, et cetera. Um, but if you're talking kind of statistically and on paper, those are probably the biggest things for this team. Right. Yeah, they've they've used a lot of quarterbacks this year, um, and each of them kind of bring a different style uh, to the game. And how how much has that kind of uh, disrupted the offense a little bit when you're trying to establish something from week to week? Yeah, it, it didn't for a long time, just because Connor Bazelak was the guy pretty much untouched for the first half of the season. Um, you know, I mean, in fact, I don't think anybody else played until the Penn State game. And that was a game that like missed through injury. Jack Tuttle started it, got hurt. He's out for the year. Uh, they brought in Brendan Sorsby, who's a true freshman, very briefly. To this day, I have no idea why, and that's no indictment on Brendan Sorsby, but, like, the, the difference between him and Dexter Williams is night and day. And it should have been. Dexter Williams has, has kind of had a chopped up path in college, but this is his third year in the program. Sorsby's been around since June. Williams should be further along, and he very clearly is. Um, you know, the, the quarterback thing didn't become kind of an uns- a point of uncertainty until after the Rutgers loss. Indiana was up 14 nothing in that game and lost 24-17. And going into the bye week, Tom Allen said every position is kind of up for grabs. Every position is up for evaluation. And, you know, Allen is not very evasive. He'll tend to tell you when he doesn't want to tell you something. Like at the beginning, in, in fall camp, he just said, I don't want to name a starter because I don't want Illinois to have any advance notice. So he's, he's basically just saying, I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell you, but here's the reason why I'm not going to tell you. He was evasive around the quarterback thing. We asked him during Penn State week, 
who's your starting quarterback? Is it going to change? How do you evaluate that? And he just basically said, you're going to have to wait till game day. We did not even know Connor Bay's like was hurt. He missed the entire game. Then the next week he's back, he starts, and he gets a very short leash. And since then it's been Dexter Williams. It will be again Saturday, and I suspect they will probably just stick with Williams unless he totally implodes um, or gets hurt. Um, but it's it's kind of been more of just kind of a slow transition with with some some obvious missteps from Bazelak to Williams rather than you know I mean they, they were pretty committed to Connor Bazelak for a while and Bazelak had some good moments obviously he's a much more refined passer than Williams is uh, but he was also turnover prone and and really Indiana was in a place where it wasn't just they were scoring points they'd have long strings where like their offense was getting one first down every three drives. And that's just, you know, again, you want to talk about why maybe this defense has underperformed expectations. You know, they've had some savvy snap counts in some of these games that have really hurt them. So, um, Allen confirmed today, we're talking on Wednesday, uh, November 23rd, Allen confirmed today Williams will start. And again, barring something sort of catastrophic, I expect him to stay there all game. The question will be, he had a, a decent game at Michigan State, didn't really do a lot to hurt Indiana. Purdue's had a week to study that. How does he? How does he adjust? How does he respond? Yeah, well, that that would be the number one question. But as um, as IU gets ready to hit the off season, where do you see the areas that need to be addressed um, right out of the gate and get this get this turned the way they want it turned? Yeah, I mean, I think you know. First of all, there probably is an extent to which Saturday really colors the offseason. Like, ultimately, the journey can be stressful for fans. I get that. But if after a 2-10 and ten season, I'd offered somebody 5-7 and seven and you're going to win both your trophy games, they'd probably grumble about not going to a bowl. But you'd all, I think they'd also recognize, well, yes, but that's that competitive level restored again. Right. And we won both trophies. We, we beat our, our primary rival. That's literally two and a half times as many wins as we had in, in 2021. That's progress back toward what Indiana was, you know, consistently for five or six years between Kevin Wilson and Tom Allen. Um, but I think there's some stuff that they've got to address regardless. I mean, first of all, you got to figure out where you're at from, and this is just, this isn't just Indiana. This is everybody these days from a portal perspective, you know, are some guys going to get picked off because of NIL somewhere else? Can you marshal the resources to keep them in house? You got to, you know, Tom. The way I mean, Tom Allen this is hardly an original phrase, but he calls it re-recruiting your roster. Right. There's going to have there's going to have to be an element of that. Um, I do expect him to dip pretty quickly into the portal. I think that you know, it's Tom Allen doesn't talk a ton about positions with the portal the way he does with recruiting. Offensive line would make a lot of sense uh, because I think that you know that they're going to retain some depth along their offensive line going into next season. But again, it's been very underperforming, so like you need some talent there. They're also going to lose a fair bit of experience between linebacker Cam Jones and Aaron Casey will be gone, and secondary where all those you know, Jalen Williams, Devon Matthews, Tywan Mullen, those guys are all going to be gone. If, if I you know if, if I'm guessing where they will attack in the portal, it'll be probably those two positions in particular. Um, then you'll obviously also just kind of have to ask the question of are there gaps to fill if other guys leave for whatever reason. And then I think the other thing is is really coalescing behind a quarterback. You know, and, and you know at this point it, it does feel like it probably should be Dexter Williams. You know, and, and he's he's a third year player with 
remarkable arm talent. He threw a pass against Penn State, flat-footed with a defender in his face that went 55 yards. Um, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that can just kind of flick his wrist and, and, and throw it half the field. But he's obviously unrefined as a passer. He's like 12 or 37 across these three games. Right. And it's, you know, you, you remember that he enrolled early in 2020, but, you know, lost virtually all of his first spring season to COVID. His first fall season was weird because of COVID. His second spring season, he tore his ACL. His second fall season, he was rehabilitating. And his, even as recently as this spring, he was rehabilitating. So this fall camp was like his first unbroken, unfettered, you know, sort of camp period, which is so crucial for young quarterbacks just to develop, you know, rhythms and habits and, and, and you know, sort of perfect finer details. So I think there's an extent to which you also probably need to rally around a quarterback if you're Indiana, and my guess would be it's Williams. But you need to go into the off season. You've got options in your program, whether it's Bazelak, whether it's Williams. I think you need to go into your off season sort of saying, like, this guy's QB1, and, and we're – Everything we're doing from the recruiting perspective and a schematic perspective is building around him. And so I think those are probably the, the three big things. They will have a small – I don't expect a ton more in the high school recruiting area. They have a small class because they don't have a lot of seniors. Right. Um, and there may even be a couple guys that elect to come back for an extra year if Indiana will have them. Um, so it's, it's, it's only at like, a, like 10 or 11 kids right now, and it's probably going to stay uh, like 15 or less because I think they're going to want to leave spots that they do get open for the portal. So I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, figuring out your own roster, figuring out what you need out of the portal and, and, and dabbling in there. And then, like I said, really just kind of coalescing around a quarterback for 2023. Right. Well, we can't let you go without some basketball questions. Uh, nice win for IU at Xavier. Um, that had to be, you know, they had to tough that one out after – uh, getting a lead there in the second half and then holding on, but uh, got North Carolina coming up after a couple games in the Hoosier Classic. I think that's what we decided to call it. Uh, but kind of your your initial thoughts on uh, what you've seen from IU basketball right now, and then how much how much do you think you'll learn when they when they face the Tar Heels next week? Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, I wasn't skeptical of Indiana coming into this season, but I, I did need, and I, I didn't pick them to finish first in the league. I picked them second behind Illinois. Um, there were some things I needed to see about Indiana. They're better than I. I mean, I thought they would be good. To be clear, I, I thought right. they would be a good competitive team, better than last year. They're probably a little bit better than I expected this at this point in the season, in particular because Jalen Hutchinson and Malik Renew, the two most prominent freshmen, have looked very good. But Shafino has, has given them an element, you know, sort of almost a second point guard element on the first line. Renew has really been the anchor of kind of their bench. It's a good, solid four to five man bench, giving them some depth. Um, that Xavier win in particular was was important. I mean, that was Indiana's first true non conference road win in ten years. And obviously, they'll you know, they're the, at times have been one of those programs where they prefer to play neutral side right. games than non conference rather than. True road games, but um, the, the stat I dug up was if you look at Ken Palm's numbers, the last time Indiana beat a team that finished a non-conference road win against a team that finished in Ken Palm's top 40 was 21 years ago to the day that they beat Xavier, November 18th, 2001, against Charlotte. And Xavier right now is like 34th or 35th. We'll see where they finish right. the season. But the point is that caliber of true non-conference road win has been really rare for this team in this program in the last few years, and this team in particular did not win its first road game until I think January 17th 
last season, and that was at Nebraska. There were only three road wins last year were at Nebraska, at Maryland, at Minnesota. Obviously, none of those are really what you consider quality wins. If you're Indiana, and as much as anything else, maybe you're trying to, to really, uh, you know, you believe you're better than you were a year ago, but you're looking for that affirmation, whether you care that it, you know, when it, what it affirms to anybody else, um, winning that game, even while being imperfect, I've said, I've repeated the old Kelvin Sampsonism a number of times in the last, you know, five days. You don't play February basketball in November. It's okay to look like the unfinished product right now. In fact, you probably need to look that way. But if you're winning games like that while looking that way, that's very valuable. And if you if you stack that with a North Carolina win next week, and I'm still not quite sure what I think about Carolina. Obviously, they'll be out in Portland uh, as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they fare out there. Um, but you stack that next to North Carolina, then you know you can almost, as long as you don't get upset somewhere, you can almost call the non-conference season success, regardless of what happens in the Arizona or the Kansas games. Both because you get the wins and because you also you challenged yourself and came away with some quality from it because it's you know Indiana fans have have jonesed for this kind of non-conference schedule for a while, but it doesn't make a difference if you go zero and four, you know, or maybe even to some extent if you go one and three and your only win is the North Carolina game at home. To get a, a quality win away from Assembly Hall, I think obviously it does a lot for your NCAA tournament resume in terms of what the non-conference can offer. It. I think it also just gave this team a, a, a real sense of, you know, at least at the at the functional baseline level, we got to get better, but we are what we thought we were. We thought we were good. We were excited. You know, we were anxious to get in games like that and prove ourselves and find out if we were right. That's the sort of result that proves that, you know, we, we were we were in the neighborhood somewhere. Right. Well, I, and I think that's going to serve them well in the big time once uh, once we get going in that full season in January, but still that's that was a good win for them and as you mentioned they got Arizona coming up, they've got North Carolina, they've got Kansas. So they're gonna they go, go they gotta go to Rutgers, which yeah. obviously is, is I mean I, I never would have thought that the, the rack would become like one of the tougher places to play and obviously Rutgers is a team with a lot of questions given what they've lost. Uh, but you know, Rutgers, Rutgers, I'm, and this isn't just because I'm on the Purdue podcast, like Rutgers has beaten <laughs> some good teams at the rack in the last couple three seasons. It's 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 going to be a, a tough December, but you stack the Xavier win. Worst case scenario, that's a game you can afford to lose somewhere else down the line. Right. Whereas because Indiana in the last couple three seasons has just struggled so badly away from home, you got to a place where you you felt like you couldn't afford to drop a, a Michigan State at home or something like that, or you'd have to go beat Arizona and Vegas or whatever it was. You got to win some of those games, and like I said, they I think they proved to themselves to some extent that they can. Right now, the uh, Purdue's well aware of what Rutgers can do in Rutgers. <laughs> that's a, that's a very very difficult place to play. Now they've lost some of their ammunition from last year, but they're still very talented, and that will be a tough out for any Big Ten team going there. Well, Zach, appreciate your time today. Uh, get your bird smoked up and uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy basketball. Enjoy football. Enjoy soccer. You got a full plate of uh, food, and you got a full plate of sports coming up. Uh, this weekend. Appreciate your insight. Thank you very much. Get some voodoo donuts while you're out in Portland. <laughs> okay. Will do. Alrighty. Thanks again, Zach. Appreciate it. Yep. Once again, thanks to Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star for providing insight on Saturday's game from the IU perspective and what Purdue is uh, going to face. I, you know, I think this will be a very uh, close game again for Purdue. That's what they play this year. 
that's what they've played, and uh, it's probably what they're going to play again. Um, they just it, Purdue's had a hard time uh, separating from teams uh, throughout the uh, throughout the season, whether they're good teams or average teams, and you know Purdue just doesn't you know blow out a lot. They're not going to blow out a lot of teams, but um, I would expect a close game Saturday. Uh, and you know what the weather will be will play a factor. As as you know, we've gotten into month of November, and we've had a lot of wind at, on Saturdays, um, some some rain, but the wind is kind of uh, disrupting Purdue's passing game to an extent. Uh, you know, last week they they went to the run game a little bit more. Uh, against Northwestern, but you know they had only had 34 yards in the third quarter last week, so they've got to get a little bit more consistency there uh, in the run game if if the passing game uh, is not working the way that they they want it want it to work. But you know, as we mentioned at the top, Purdue can gain a share of the Big Ten West with a victory, regardless of what happens Friday with Nebraska and Iowa. If uh, Nebraska would beat Iowa and Purdue would beat Indiana. Then Purdue would be uh, in the Big Ten championship game against the winner of Ohio State uh, in Michigan, and as we've alluded to before, not not sure that would be the best case scenario uh, for Purdue. You know, it's prestigious to be there, but um, yeah, I think most people know what would be coming uh, from from that standpoint. But you know, just you know, if it happens, you just go line up and play the game and. It's another opportunity for Purdue to play. Um, you know, they've got their bowl game coming up. Uh, and where that'll be, you know, I think Florida is still in play with that. Um, and then I think uh, um, you're going to look at uh, the Duke, Dukes-Mayo Bowl, uh, possibly in Charlotte, and then maybe an outside shot at the uh, uh, Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, in uh, New York City. So we'll see how that all plays out once all the dust is settled from the college football playoff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some personnel notes. Uh, uh, you know, Devin Mockaby's been out um, this week, although was told Wednesday that he did do some light drills uh, in practice. So uh, that, that, may, that may bode well for Saturday's game, getting him back in the mix. As you know, he left... Uh, the Northwestern game with a with a concussion and didn't return after the first series. Um, so, from Purdue standpoint, it'd be good to get him back. But to me, the bigger the bigger injury question. Uh, I mean, it's not a question anymore. Gus Hartwig is out, uh, and he's he's in a cast, and he'll have surgery uh, coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, but Purdue lost its its best offensive lineman. It lost its leader on the offensive line. Uh, and how Purdue overcomes that for a full game. Josh uh, Kaltenberger uh, will fill in for him. Uh, so this will be his first start uh, at center and on the offensive line. Uh, and I'm sure that IU will uh, look to to disrupt him as as much as possible. But how he holds up, he does have a veteran group around him with uh, Spencer Holstage, uh, Eric Miller, um, and some other guys there that have, that have played all year. So there's plenty of support there, but that, that's going to be a, a, a bigger question uh, going into this game is how the middle of the offensive line uh, holds up uh, in, in trying to run the ball. And Purdue's had you know more success this year running the ball than they have since 2018, and a big part of that is what what's happened uh, on the offensive line. So 
Um, so anyway, uh, thanks again to Zach for uh, joining the podcast, and uh, and then uh, since I'm going to Portland, uh, I don't know when I'll be able to do a post game football podcast. Uh, hopefully, it's sometime Saturday night. Uh, but I'll be in Portland uh, for the basketball uh, tournament uh, that starts Thursday. Uh, Purdue plays West Virginia at 10 Eastern time. Uh, if they beat West Virginia, then they will play at 11.30 Friday night Eastern time, most likely against Gonzaga. If they would lose, uh, they would play at 9 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, most likely against uh, Portland State. Uh, and then they don't no games on Saturday, and then uh, what time they would play Sunday depends on what happens Thursday and <laughs> and Friday. Uh, so uh, Purdue, you know, if they win, uh, they would play West Virginia, then Gonzaga, and then either you advance to the championship game most likely against Duke, or you would play in the third place game against Florida or Xavier. You know, if they lose to West Virginia, then they're probably going to play Portland State on Friday, and then. Uh, probably get themselves in the fifth place game against uh, either Duke, Florida, or or Xavier. So uh, worst case scenario is that Purdue plays two Power 5 teams uh, in this tournament. Best case scenario is they play three Power 5 teams uh, and really add that to their, their resume. And then after that, they've got Florida State in Tallahassee for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then the Open Big Ten play uh, against Minnesota on December 4th at Mackey Arena. But we'll uh we'll try to recap the basketball games um, late at night, early in the morning, depending <laughs> depending on what time it is, and then try to try to wrap up football sometime uh, late uh, late Saturday night or maybe early Sunday uh after uh, digesting uh, all the activities that are going on uh, this weekend. All right. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by. Appreciate it. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels if you're out and about. Uh, and um, enjoy the holiday. And uh, again, we'll be back after Thursday night's basketball game against West Virginia to recap uh, that game in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament out in Portland, Oregon. All right. Have a good day. Thank you.